Hello everyone and welcome back to the first generation podcast. I hope you didn't miss us too much, but we took a little break over the holidays and now we are back with a brand new episode and our special guest Ricardo and of course co-host Davud. Today's topic is about doing sports as or coming to the United States to college university as an athlete. How does it affect your daily life and how does it affect your career and everything afterwards? So I now I give the mic to Davud and he gives a little introduction before we start with Ricardo. Yes. Hi, everybody. Ricardo was a good friend of mine. Still is, but we live together as roommates. Uh, Ricardo, would you like to do a quick introduction? Uh, yeah. Um, so my name is Ricardo. I grew up in the Netherlands and I've been living in Ohio for about nine years now. So um, how do you, I mean, you are from Netherlands, but I know that you are an American, right? Right. So um, tell us I got more. Lucky. <laughs> so I was born in Texas and I grew up in the Netherlands, which gives me dual citizenship for being born uh, here in America and having lived there. So I got kind of best of both worlds with a European and a uh, American passport. Well, that's pretty good. That is very, very nice. Yeah, whenever it really has. On, yeah, whenever there's something going on in Europe, you just fly back to America and whenever you want to go to <laughs> travel some countries, you just take the European passport and get everywhere in without visa right um like it's easy when you go back to like europe for example i can just show my dutch passport without having to like stand in like the uh, what do you call it non-citizen line basically and the same thing when you come to america <laughs> <laughs> so when did you uh so you went to school you were born in texas then you went to school here or did you go to europe earlier um I went to the Netherlands, uh, I think at the age of four or five, if I remember correctly. Um, so I did like whatever it is, like pre-kindergarten or kindergarten here in America. And then uh, I came back to, if I went back to the Netherlands and I came to America at the age of college, so 18. What made you come to go back for college in the U.S.? Um, so I used to play a lot of tennis and I wanted to continue doing that on a high level while still getting a undergraduate degree. And America is obviously very good when it comes to sports and opportunities like that in college. Whereas in the Netherlands, I feel like it is a more of a casual, uh, occurrence with the sports. So that was like a nice opportunity for me to, um, Yeah, take on here in America, considering I already have citizenship and don't have to like make huge efforts to like get enrolled into schools for that matter. So is it, I don't know, I don't know about Netherlands, but if we, and in tennis, but if you go to college, you basically kind of have to give up on your uh, professional athlete career. Is that the same in tennis? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Even in tennis, it's hard when you're in college to go pro, for example, but definitely there are kids that do it and they come to 
uh, America with that purpose to go pro afterwards. So there's some very good programs in the United States, such as uh, Ohio State, for example, is one. They always have kids that like will take essentially very low energy um, undergraduates and focus everything on tennis to like potentially go pro afterwards. That's very common at Ohio State. And they're good at it, though. They have some really good players. Patrick, you wanted to ask something? No, I was just, I mean, I know what he meant for saying it's hard to do it in the Netherlands. I guess it's the same as it is in Germany. I mean, if you want to become a professional athlete in any sports, be it tennis or soccer, it's very challenging in Europe. And to do your to do any degree on a site, I mean, either you get enrolled into some special sports universities, or there's basically not much of a chance to do both at the same time. So therefore, or what I experienced in the US, US is pretty, yeah, they really support both sides, the educational side as well as the Yeah, the sports and support you also as an athlete to do both. So this, for me, was pretty nice to see. It's different than the system in Europe. So I can definitely understand to do the move. Yeah, and like tennis is maybe not the best example, but even if you check like um, college football or college basketball, those a lot of those kids are really with the intention to go pro. And college is definitely the way in that case. So did you, uh, when you apply, you so you decided to come to the States and play tennis for a school. How does that process work? I understand that you were technically American, so it was probably different than other like uh, foreign kids. But how, how did, does that work? Um, so basically you uh, contact universities or they contact you and you can have a middleman that can like, find universities for you or you yourself can reach out to universities with for example a video of how you play uh, that's how it is in tennis at least you show a video of how you play with uh basically a file of like your records like how you perform in tournaments and whatnot and then if they like that they'll reach back out or if you like have the middleman for example he'll send the video to like his connections and then if they're interested they'll contact you um you we i had a middleman for a while but it didn't turn out like that he had the best connections in my opinion so then uh, i found red state which is like not the most known school probably but um it's a division one uh sports school and the tennis team was pretty good i think in the sense that like i would have an opportunity to play not just sit on the bench and that um it would still be actually pretty high level tennis uh, without being bored essentially or being crushed by the opportunity or by the level of tennis. So I was just trying to find a good like middle mode that would suit my interests best essentially. Did you try any other schools? Yeah, there was this other school in uh, New York, which I forget what it was, what it was called, but I just remember thinking like the cost of living would be so much higher and I feel like the pressure would be a little bit higher to perform um, at that school. Whereas here I felt like I would be able to um, perform 
okay. Um, there was another school in Florida, but it was a Division two school. Um, and I kind of had my hopes set on Division one, although I'm sure like there are very good Division two schools. Like I'm not going to deny that, but like at the time, I think that was more my mindset that I wanted to play at least on a higher level. So I kind of settled for like at least Division one schools. That's pretty cool. So, uh, when you decided to come to Ohio, uh, did the school make an offer, like scholarship wise, or how does that work? Right, you get in contact, and then they tell you what they can give you and what you're willing to, or what you're looking for, I guess. And then, uh, based on that, like you make a deal. Is it more difficult? I I guess for like a foreign so, students, yeah. I think, um, I mean, I'm not the best example because I didn't get like that much uh, scholarship for that matter, but there's some kids that are, for example, very good. Like they're like nationally in their country, they're like top of the top. Uh, it's more likely that they will get full scholarships, but it also depends on the school. So scholarships are like handed out based on how much the school has or something like that. Or like there's a limit of scholarships they can give um, per sport something like that so like in tennis you don't see a lot of full scholarships for example like even ohio state which is one of the best schools uh, when it comes to tennis i'm pretty sure they don't hand out full scholarships to their tennis players so like it's a rare occurrence to see that but there are definitely um, kids that get extremely good deals and they are very good so like they definitely deserve it so it also means want to get accepted by a school you basically yes. can you do you feel like prioritized to normal students who go there so how do you feel that the treatment the university gives you in advance they give you some tips for which courses you should choose or I mean they give you more tender loving care hold your hand for the first <laughs> yeah. first weeks or something um I definitely did get some benefits, uh, at least at like Wright State where I went to school. Um, they, I think everybody has an advisor when it comes to like classes and everything, but uh, the athletes had a, a personal advisor, I guess, that worked for all, only the athletes. So she was very dedicated to like all the students and like all your needs for that matter. And at the same time, um, the school gives like free printing and like study areas and like they do all this kind of like things to help you like succeed a little easier, which I feel like not all the students had that opportunity. Um, and then, for example, taking tests or quizzes um, from required classes. If you have sports at the same time, they might be able to like reschedule that for you, stuff like that. Like, I think they're a little bit more lenient with the excuse that you're like a student athlete compared to like just a student. Now, I remember that you were good at tennis, but uh, I know that the team was very different and there were some kids that were from different countries who would come and they would uh, not be the best players. Uh, like, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. <laughs> so, so is there any difference in the treatment and the amount of scholarship? Because I feel like if somebody comes and Wright State brings them from half across the world, and they don't perform well. So what's the consequence, I guess? What, well, how does that work? 
Um, perhaps they start with less scholarship or some players walk on. Um, and at the same time, I guess, like, let's say, like, you offer someone um, no scholarship, it's almost just like an easier gamble, for example. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have anything really to lose. Um, because, like, if they do well, they do well. If they don't, like, you didn't lose, like, that much money on them, for that matter. So I think they'll, like, weigh their options in that sense. But, like, you know, there's players that have, like, a ton of scholarship and, like, they're very confident that they'll perform um, anywhere within the lineup. So, like, those have maybe a little bit higher stakes. I think it would be challenging if you had a lot of scholarship and then you're not doing well. But that's also rare, I guess. I haven't seen that personally. But um, I can imagine that happens if you don't perform well that your scholarship gets less um, the next year. So there definitely is pressure to perform. So you can't just be on the bench and milk the university for a degree. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you probably can't. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, but you need to end up paying the last two or three years yourself. But, but then right. the, the moment you came to Wright State, you arrived, I mean, then, I mean, probably they already set up your housing before you knew already which courses you're going to take so how was it the first time you were meeting your teammates or your coach or how did this work out did you was it easy to make friends right away were they helpful and nice and did you start training right the next day or um i think i arrived a little bit earlier than i was supposed to just so i can get used to like like you said, like the housing and everything, and just so I kind of know where I was. Um, I was rooming with another tennis player, which was easy. And um, so we could kind of both, he was also a foreigner, so we could like together kind of discover essentially a right state in uh, Ohio. And then um, making friends was actually very easy, considering a bunch of the tennis players on the team were also foreigners. So we're all kind of on the same boat. We're like, we're kind of alone and new to the area. And um, I think everybody understood that, like, we're like a team and we help each other out for that reason. Uh, meeting my coach, that was also, I guess, like, I talked to him on the phone and whatnot. But, like, it's always nice to, like, make a real connection with people. And I did have a good connection with my coaches. So, like, that was never an issue. And it was actually pleasant that it wasn't, like, a hostile environment for that matter. It's just, yeah, everybody's trying to, like, go to school. Everybody's trying to play good tennis and have fun at the same time. And Our coach was pretty good at getting a, a good team spirit. Let's put it that way. Like he did a good job. Now thinking back about that. Did you ever feel overwhelmed when you were choosing either, you know, training for tennis or studying for exams? Because you studied biology, which is very taxing. You know, it's not an easy subject. Yeah. Um, I did sometimes. But, um, I mean, to think back, like, in the Netherlands, a lot of like schooling is uh, a different mentality than it is in America. So what I mean by that is that here in America, everybody's trying to get A's, maybe B's, but like, you know, B might be really bad already, like A's, A's, A's. Whereas in the Netherlands, it felt like people are just trying to like pass, you know what I mean? Like, which would mean <laughs> yeah. like, I guess like six out of 10, which would be, I guess, a D or a C, you know? And like, starting with that mentality was like, I can do easily both. But then when I'm trying to like get A's and, uh, you know, play sports, like that was harder. And I, I was willing to like settle for like less grades. Like it didn't like crush my hopes, not, not getting an A, for example. Um, 
whereas I know other students were like retaking classes when they got a B. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Especially in that field, because a lot of uh, biology students are trying to get into med school. True. Like, like me, <laughs> and you have to crash every exam, like get an A, or you're not competitive. So. Yeah, I know. I found that difficult. Although I was never like personally like trying to go to med school, um, I did feel the pressure to like perform well in school towards the end when I was trying to consider going to grad school. Um, but then looking back, it's like I don't know, like if I would have done anything differently for that matter, because um, like it is, I'm still trying to have fun too. You know, I'm not just trying to like go to school and like play tennis. Like I'm sure people like yeah talk about that stuff but like at the same time like i'm also trying to like have some fun on the weekends you know and like hang out with people like not just study like because i had i had people in my class like i'm gonna stay up until like 2 a.m and study i was like i'm in bed by like 10 you know it's not happening <laughs> <laughs> um but that's just maybe my different mentality that i i set my priorities slightly different I can't really answer that question well. Like, I just didn't have the same priority of like trying to get A's, A's, A's as other people did. So like, I didn't feel that intense pressure. Then, when it comes to school, <clears throat> how much training did you have a week? What was it like? You had fixed training, like four or five times a week, and then you did some on your own, or was it like every day, morning, evening? Or did it change when it comes to some competitions? How was yeah, the workload so for training when it compared to the schooling? It it changed like depending if you're in your your match seasons. Like there's a little bit less uh, training, for example, versus when you're like in off season. So I think most we we practice at least two hours tennis uh, Monday through Friday, and then we Every have day, two two hours. At least, yeah. Sometimes four, I guess. Um, then school starts on, like, at nine, nine to four, or you do your homework. It's five. Then from six to eight, you practice. You go home, shower, eat, study a bit. Yeah. It's like this. Um, so on a Thursday, I think it was, we'd have workouts at like five thirty a.m. or five a.m. So you work oh, out yeah. at like five to five, five to six thirty. You go back to bed until like you know, 7.30, maybe 8, and then uh, you go to class. And then you have one practice at, like, noon to 2, I think it was. I, I kind of forget exactly the hours, but, like, it, it does match up pretty well with your schedule most of the time. And the days that you practice four hours, obviously, you have less class. Like, it's just um, that's how it kind of, like, the coach also helps schedule training according to everybody's classes, you know what I mean? At least that's what they try. So, like, if you can't make one of the practices, it's not, like, the biggest deal. Um, but, like, yeah, you definitely practice two hours a day from what I recall. And then in match seasons, um, you would have also matches on the weekends. So we'd be gone, like, from Friday through Sunday, and we'd, you know, be back in school Monday. But usually, like, we'd get uh, Monday off, depending on, like, the intensity of the weekend, I guess. Um, and also depending if it's like a home or an away match, like if you're traveling, we're almost for sure getting Monday off. But like if it's just an at-home match, we might still practice lightly on a Monday, for example. But we definitely were practicing every day. Yeah. But this sounds... You did a lot of... Go ahead. 
Yeah, I think this sounds quite intense. So, I mean, for everyone who was probably thinking, oh, I'm actually good in my sports, why should I not um, apply for any school in America, get a scholarship and do my degree there and play a bit of sports? It doesn't sound as easy as it might is. I mean, if you train every day, then you also have to recover. You probably get, get a diet because, I mean, recovering is you have to eat enough. Then you study and you have classes. Yeah. So the workload sounds quite hard, especially for kids, young kids, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, it is. But like at the same time, like I didn't really like playing tennis. So it wasn't like a real burden, you know, to go practice or anything. Like um, I still did like the sport a lot. So that wasn't really a challenge. And like it did take practice. Um, I think my freshman year was fairly easy because just classes weren't that hard. Sophomore, it became a little bit harder because classes were harder and like you're in a different routine or a different mentality. So everything becomes a little bit harder, like trying to get everything on the schedule. So the real challenge is just being disciplined and creating a schedule for yourself when you're studying and when you're like doing your, your work essentially. Like that's the real challenge. Like if you like don't schedule things properly, like you will get in time trouble everywhere. And yeah, that that's what that was my problem a little bit my sophomore year, and then my junior year I kind of like really picked it up when it comes to like organization and like prioritizing like when to study, you know, when to go to sleep. Like it, I had it like pretty nicely organized. Is that is that when we lived together at Province? Yeah, I think we were. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> prioritizing sleep. <laughs> That was my third year. The second year, that was that sophomore year, probably. <laughs> no, I was, I was just giving you shit. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it, it is challenging, but like, I don't know. Looking back, like, yeah, I would do it again. Yeah. You guys did a lot of traveling. Where was the furthest you went? Um, during spring break, we've been to Florida. I think that was the furthest one, and then um. During like, let's say regular weeks, school weeks, we would go to, I think Wisconsin was like the furthest drive. Like that's like an eight hour drive, I think. Um, yeah, that's pretty pretty long. But then when you go on trips like that, like you'll play like at least two matches. You know what I mean? So you're not just going for like one match only. Is it is it worth uh, saying that that's a good way to travel the country? Um. I wouldn't say so considering most people are like really trying to sightsee and stuff like that. Like most of the things you see are like the tennis court, you know what I mean? <laughs> or or the hotel, the hotel room or it, it's pretty like still pretty low key. Um, sometimes we get to do some nice stuff, you know what I mean? Like we'll ask the coach, like, can we drive by here? Or like, you know, can we see that? But like spring break is a better opportunity to see things though. Like, cause then you are there for like the entire week or like you have more time, but like, when you drive on a Friday, you know, after school, so then you get there like late at night, you go to sleep, you have a match probably Saturday morning. After the match, like maybe you have two matches on Saturday, like don't even know yet. Um, and then you just go back to the hotel, relax. And then Sunday morning, probably a match again. And then after that, you go back driving because you have to be in class on Monday again. So, yeah, I don't know if it's the best way to travel or see things. Like, I've been to a lot of places for that matter. 
and these you know all the tennis courts and you can do a blog on where's the best tennis court in middle east america i know <laughs> was there yeah go ahead was there any university that you were like oh i wish i was playing tennis here like did you see the facility that was nicer or anything like that oh yeah um for sure there's some there's a bunch of schools that have like incredibly nice facilities for example ohio state which is like number one essentially number one in the country in tennis like between one and three i think usually they like float and they have like incredible facilities and they provide anything and everything for you obviously um that was like the biggest um difference i guess between them and like us there were other schools as well but like nothing was as overwhelming as ohio state let's put it that way um yeah they just really they're they're good at every sport i guess so that's part of their um their image then i i have another one question so the perception of like non-athletes compared to the athletes who go to university when you're in yeah. class and you're writing tests do you get any benefit when writing tests like you're missing one or two boy, points of failing the class or not would they step in and say no he needs to pass he's one of our best athletes i mean uh, maybe it's not happen to you directly maybe to um, other people you know but so that's the perception someone has who has like the athletes in their class it, i think it does exist um i don't think i've personally witnessed that myself but like it does exist and like there was a scenario in my senior year where we had a kid who wasn't doing too well in class but he was like a really good player and um at the time we had a new coach who wasn't like being too helpful and he was like like we were trying to tell coach like man we just need this guy to play but like he wasn't having it because he wasn't doing well in school and he probably just didn't like the kid you know so he wasn't going to give him the benefit of that for that matter but like it depends i guess i really don't i can't really answer that i think i don't think teachers would go for that if you tell them like we really need this kid like can you give him a pass like i don't think that would happen um not not until like the last moment you know like maybe like in the beginning they're going to be like okay this kid we really need him to pass like can you like schedule a tutor for him or something like that you know like can you have like a weekly tutor because like if he doesn't pass this class like we can't play with him something like that um and that was also bad if you get free tutors you know um as an athlete and you get like um these english majors that will like look over your papers and stuff like that if you wanted that so like it was pretty hard to fail i feel like to actually you fail. get the nurse to do your work basically yeah like I feel like failing would be very hard, you know, like, you know, like, but like getting A's was also hard, but like at least passing and playing the sport, like should not be a challenge for like most people. I feel like. Okay. So also at the end, everyone basically passed. So every one of your teammates got a degree at the end of the day. Right. Everyone gets a degree most of the time. I mean, in my case, yes. Like I'm sure there's other stories of people like, kids dropping out or whatever you know I, i'm trying to think back of like other sports if there were kids that like couldn't make it but like maybe like what happens like you get kicked off the team or something like that like 
and then you can you can still go to school if you wanted to, but you just won't be part of the team. You know. Mm. Um, was there anybody who was like scamming the school? I'm just thinking of a scenario where somebody sends a video. And it's like very blurry, and you can't tell who's playing, and then they, they get the scholarship, <laughs> and they come and they're complete shit. No, that that would never happen. <laughs> um, I, I do, I do remember when I was a kid, I was looking at like these recruiting videos of like other kids and stuff like that, and there were definitely kids that were like trying, like, I mean, every everybody's trying to make themselves look good, but they were at like this, the way they edited the video and like the the camera angles they used were like awkward i guess or like or, you know just showed like their good sides essentially of their of their game without showing a complete game and as much as like that might work for maybe some schools i'm pretty sure like a a good division one school would never fall for anything like that like those coaches aren't like stupid you know what i mean like they've seen they've seen <laughs> okay. a lot a lot of kids like play tennis you know from their own school and from other schools like they, they know what it looks like and then when you go is that, there, is that okay you go ahead is that the same for other sports or is there like a you know i think i heard that they have like scouts that they send out to other countries to look for students like athletes is yeah, that true um that is true um when i was 17 i played at an tennis academy in spain for like a couple months and there there were definitely recruiters um trying to scout some kids from the uh, states from colleges right or like there's some some you know those middlemen i'm talking about like they'll come by there and they're like okay i see this kid playing at this academy and like he might be of interest to your school something like that you know um so yeah there are recruiters at least in tennis i'm sure there's recruiters in other sports too but like i guess it depends on your connections um i have a friend who used to go to a school in north carolina and he started up a company where he's trying to have dutch kids recruited to the netherlands or um to the united states for college sports which could be any sports essentially so i think he's trying to like you know send people over basically um as like a as a middleman so like i don't know if that's considered like a real scout but i don't know how frequently schools will send out scouts other than like they have their people looking for them you know yeah that was actually my question for the end so say i mean once you finish degree and then let's say is it a, a proper business actually to scout kids from europe or from netherlands i mean from the old uh tennis teams you know and then bring them to the us is like yeah a middleman is this something many go into afterwards to make money or is it actually a good business i mean if you see it on tv all these as uh, manager or agents of the soccer players make millions and millions i guess for tennis would be the same um tennis maybe not the best example because it's such an individual sport um but i think it's just still kind of new when it comes to like recruiting people to like you know to like a yeah to like america i don't really know how to explain it like in the end i didn't use anybody you know like just me and my dad we we looked up schools stuff like that but um for example my friend he's trying to like really start that business of like being a connection to schools but um for afterwards like personally like i guess a lot of kids have to go back to their you know home country because they're like they aren't citizens 
if they don't get a visa from their job. But like, I didn't have that issue because I'm a citizen, so I can just like find a job here if I wanted to. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I don't know about tennis, but let's say soccer, right? So a kid comes to the states from Europe to play soccer for college. When he graduates, it's nice that he has the degree, but he would be what, like twenty three, twenty two years old. Yeah. And if he wants to play professionally, I feel like that's a, you know, a lot of teams will tell you you're too old in yeah. Europe. I can imagine that too. Yeah. Um, so soccer obviously is maybe not the best when it comes to college sports because I guess afterwards you can go to the MLS. They have some sort of draft too. So like that is a possibility or maybe even Canada. Um, Europe would be tough because I feel like Europe, um, all these top teams have their own academies and they just, you know, breed these kids basically to like become a pro, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, you have to enroll in there with 14, 15 and then that's yeah, it. You're in, train you're and you these, finish your these, high school diploma. That's all. Yeah, you're in these youth teams, you know, and then you play in the youth national team if you're good enough and then you're basically pro, you know? Um, and then I'm trying to think so for tennis it would be different you're saying right so you can still be a pro after you graduate at 22 or 23 yeah I think this in tennis it is very more possible than soccer for example because um, let's say you're at a very good school like Ohio State um, these coaches will even allow you to play some professional tournaments um, during the off season you know, when you're for the NCAA, you're not technically allowed to take any money. So you'll play those tournaments like for free, but like you'll be able to get that experience while still going to college and having like a coach and a training program for you essentially, because tennis in its own is like a lonely sport. And like, if you're not making money, like you still have to pay for your coach. And like most of the time you're traveling alone, like you, unless you can pay like a sparring partner, you know, like a someone can hit with you, like, you're, you're basically on your own. So like, that's why college is so good because you have a real team and like you have physios, you have workout areas, you have, you know, tennis itself, coaches everywhere available to you um, whenever you want to practice basically. So it is like a, a, a decent like step. Let's say if, let's say you're not good enough at 18 to go pro college would be a very logical step if you still want to go pro afterwards. Okay, then coming back. So you got into a school, you got a scholarship, and you attend your classes and practice. I mean, they also have some expectations to you when they give you a scholarship. So yeah. I say, what are the deal breakers? What did someone got kicked out or someone needs to take a, do they give them some provision period or put them on a two, three months break from sports if they're not performing well in school or if they miss classes too much. And then also, then you're in your 20s, beginning 20s, maybe 21, you're allowed to drink and go out for parties and girls, etc. So to prioritize the sport and the private life, so how does, does this turn out? I mean, if you practice so much, you have to recover. You cannot just going out all the time and then, yeah, perform bad. What are the stories um, there? Yeah, I mean, you got to make some sacrifices here and there, I guess. Um, like on the weekends we play matches, like we tend to not go out and drink. Um, but like, let's say we don't have a match that weekend, like that's when we'll have some more fun than the other weekends. Or if we have a home match 
on the Saturday, which means we have Sunday off. Like we'll hang out, have fun on Saturday night. If we have a match on Sunday, then we'll probably just have an easy weekend. And then, um, yeah, prioritizing school. I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's just you need to have some real discipline to like get through it all. Like, you know, to to do it all. Like there were some kids that were really not going out; they were just studying and playing tennis, you know. And then there's other kids that like barely study, you know. It's like it really is like who you are as a person, I guess. But um, you also play but, as a team, no? And then let's say one of the kids they go out on a Friday night, come hang over to a game, do not perform. You stayed at home. You had your protein drinks. You perform. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, That's it does an internal happen. pressure, no? It does. Um, I mean, it won't help for the team, but like if they lose, like it makes them look bad, I guess. You know? Like, well, you I, play, let's say you play doubles and Larry was drinking till five in the morning and <laughs> he's playing all fucked up and yeah. <laughs> you, you're losing the game. So you're like, oh, that Finnish alcoholic cost us a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that'd be devastating. But like, you know, like, And I feel like as a coach, you would know that those stories come out. Like you'd hear probably the team talking about it or like, you know, I'm sure they'll get in trouble somehow. But like, like, don't get me wrong. I like to win, but I wasn't going to like, you know, go super upset about it. Um, like we've all like as a team, even like, you know, been out on a Friday when we shouldn't have, you know, like it wasn't probably our best decision. But if you play some real, some real shitty school, like it's like whatever almost, you know, Um But yeah, I can I can see your point. Like, you have to like keep people accountable. Um, yeah, some people are just, you know, naturally good players. Like, it didn't even matter. Yeah. And, I don't But know. Did, did you have a team captain? Like, not just the coach, or in in your players? Yeah, yeah. It was a one we or had, two we, who looked out for you. Right. Yeah, we had team captains too. Um, yeah, that, that was. I mean, I feel like we didn't really like. Uh, have a real team captain towards until we were at at the end of my college career i guess before that i felt like we were we were all kind of part of the team and it was just uh, a seniority thing we'd have uh, the seniors and uh, maybe juniors depending on how many are on the team like they would kind of take the lead and like show people like how it's supposed to be done and kind of lead by example um mm -hmm. i think that's what we kind of kept going uh going on but yeah i'm trying to think of like a real example of like someone being a real leader but at the same time we were just a team i feel like but there were also no real scandals someone didn't show up for for a match or something like this that he got kicked out <laughs> no not kicked like out but like we would have kids <laughs> that like that would show up like fucking late or something like that and it's like jesus christ like this guy's late again you know what i mean or like <laughs> like, like we have a match in like five minutes like why is he not here you know stuff like that has definitely happened before but not to the degree of kicking someone out of the team uh i'm trying I to believe close. what it happened something happened after you left already you graduated thankfully yeah no uh, i don't want to talk about that <laughs> but like yeah yeah um that was like i guess unrelated to like tennis itself but i mean even one time like We were um, we were on the way to a match, and like we were, um, it was a very long drive, so we weren't going to play that same day. So, the night before, we went out uh, drinking, 
and then uh, in the match I, or uh, in the in the van we were like so hungover and like one of the guys like he was so hungover like he had to throw up you know <laughs> so like everyone thinking he was sick or whatever but like deep down we all knew he was like hungover you know like we assumed coaches would know as well <laughs> but like even that wasn't like a huge deal for like getting kicked off the team you know it's just kids being kids mm. but were there any uh, were there some penalties for things like this or you didn't perform in school well you get only d's did you have yeah. any penalties? yeah yeah there definitely are some like you have to take more study hours for example like uh they make some hours mandatory we have to like clock in like they have some study areas where you have to like clock in you have to be there so i guess you could be there and do nothing but like you know at the time you might as well just use the hours i feel like and then um also if your grades are below or whatever i don't know exactly what it is like you can't play until you get them better right so like i think there was a kid in my senior year who had that issue a little bit but like i think yeah i think we're in semester so like it, it got resolved fairly quick um so I, i don't recall that being ever an issue but like the penalties do exist and it also depends on like the coach i think how stringent they are and i think I don't know if it's true, but I think schools might have different rules. Like different schools have different rules. So um, some are made more lenient than others. I don't know. Yeah, but it uh, sounds like that most of you were quite responsible in that sense. So that's a yeah, good point for, so. for you and for your coach and for the management of the team. And yeah, I, got I think you so. I mean, Honestly, like playing hungover for that matter is not like a fun game to play you know it's just like you're making it hard on yourself and i think everybody knows that even from experience like it's just not ideal so like i think at the same time we were like yeah we can have some drinks but like we still have a match tomorrow for example like you still be careful or like there were kids that for example weren't going to play that day like they, they'll still go out you know <laughs> so it's like yeah as, as long as you have your own priorities straight i think it was okay and like at the same time like Yeah, I think we were like pretty good kids overall. Like, you know, we did have fun, but we did take tennis in school seriously. So it was a good I mean, combo. At the, end, at the end of the day, it's your goal to become a pro or to make money with tennis. Either you take it serious or yeah. you set your priorities different, which is also fine. If you say, oh, I will never make it. It's too much sacrifice and you do it easy for fun and, you know, take the opportunities open and later on take a career in the industry. I mean, it's also fine. How, yeah. how much do you know with 18, 19 when you decide to go that route? Um, even at that age, I like wasn't going to go pro. Like, And I knew that. Um, maybe in my dreams I wanted to, but like deep down I already knew for sure. Um, but like that made it easier. I still wanted to play good tennis, though. That didn't stop. I just knew that like was, <laughs> after college that was, was going to be it. <laughs> was it a game against the high state that like – some kid crashed you and you were like, okay, I'm done <laughs> with tennis. Uh, no, um, <laughs> but like, but they, I don't think they'll have different priorities, obviously. So they, they go there to go pro. Like I even noticed kid that just goes to high state and like, he never plays a match. He just sits on the bench, you know, but he wants to be on the team. So like, you know, if things turn around, I guess he can play. Like I find that a weird mentality too. Cause then you don't get to play and like, you're doing all the sacrifice for tennis practice to not even play a match, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it depends what you want from tennis. By the way, Larry is one of the good players and I was just kidding, calling him an alcoholic. So <laughs> if you're listening to this, I love you, Larry. 
Yeah, he's, he was one of our best players. Do you know some of them who made it pro? Maybe of your team or friends of other teams who are now one of the top world players? Um, Have you ever played one of the top world players or seen? Uh, yeah. Um, Ohio State has some kids that went uh, pro. One kid went pro last year, I think it was, and he played in the US Open last year and he made it to the third round. So that's really good for someone that just came out of college, basically. Yeah, um, yeah I've watched that kid play a bunch, like here in uh, Columbus. Like uh, when they have a good match, like me and my roommate, we'd go watch them play uh, just because that guy is like, you can tell he's really good. And then <laughs> knowing that he I can reach beat the pros is like more exciting to watch you know um i remember one match when we played ohio state um i played my doubles match and then uh, the other courts had already lost so i didn't have to finish my match and then um my coach uh, he didn't play me for singles unfortunately so he put some other kid in and this kid got absolutely wrecked by like this Ohio state player like absolutely crushed and like I think after that, like, he didn't even want to, like, continue playing tennis like that anymore because that was, like, a, probably the worst loss of his life. <laughs> If you don't make any point, I think that's, yeah, very bad for your self-esteem. Yeah, for your self-esteem, it doesn't help, yeah. But, like, um, in my, at my Red State team, there was one kid who tried to go pro after college, and uh, he did all right. But the problem is, like, it's so expensive. And uh, in your tennis, you're only losing money unless you're, like, within the top 150 of the world. So it's a very tough sport when it when that sense. Um, so, like, he tried, but I guess it wasn't, like, you know, wasn't meant to be. So since you interacted with other athletes at the school and foreigners, uh, do you think there's – a better sport to come to the United States as an athlete? Um, better sure. than the others? Yeah. Um, basketball tends to be good because they have a lot of scholarships to give out. Um, I guess if the intention is to go pro, like it really depends on like the school, I think. I don't think it depends on like the sport itself. Like if the school is willing to help you, then I think you could do it at any school. Um, Yeah, basketball is a good one. Um, maybe football, but I don't know that many Europeans, for that matter, that go and play football. I think basketball would be the best example. Um, tennis is tennis is not bad, but like, you know, you really have to go there and like choose some like easy major essentially, and just play tennis full time basically, and then hope the school like helps you out, you know. So then now we are coming close to the end. So if what is your recommendation for, let's say, a talented kid outside America in any sports? He is good yeah. in any sports. Would you recommend to go for it? Or would you say you better think twice about it if you're really good enough to make it? Or if you should choose to do the let's say play it for fun as a hobby, but concentrate more on school. Yeah. Um, I think that's obviously a very personal question, but let's say you want to like, let's say you're very good at the sport you do 
and um, you want to get better but not go pro, I think America is a good option uh, anyway. Let's say you're very good, you want to go pro. I think it kind of depends on the school you would choose. Like if you choose Wright State to go pro in tennis, like I think you made a mistake, you know. You choose Ohio State, like that might be a pretty realistic option. Um, and I'm sure the same applies for like basketball. Like you go to like a D3 school, it might not be your best look. You go to like Kentucky or something like that, then yeah, um, your chances are probably better, you know. Um, if you're just trying to play as a hobby, that's totally possible too. Like there are schools that are like Division Two, for example, um, or even like Division Three, and even Division One. Like you have schools that are like, yeah, depending on like um, the program and how it's all set up, that it might be more like more easy going. Like you can focus more on schools. Those tend to be like um, private schools. I feel like, mm-hmm. but. Not sure about that though. They tend to have better education schools that are like less focused on sports, but they still have it there because it will look good on your resume moving forward. Um, I can still recommend it to anybody. It kind of just depends on what you want to get out of it. And then based off of that, you should decide like your schools and your priorities. But I guess we can conclude that the perception is to apply for a sports scholarship and a sports program and you just have a bit of fun and study and you take the money. That's an illusion. I mean, it comes also with sacrifices and costs. You have to perform. You have to be good at school. You have to attend the trainings. So it's not like that you can scam the school for it. It comes, no. with, it comes with sacrifices as well. I mean, the only example of like scamming a school would be is like if you're like one of the best players and then you go to a school that's not very good at the sport, you would dominate the team and you wouldn't have to put any effort into it to be the best, you know? That could be considered scamming the school. <laughs> but like, yeah. then I don't know if it would be any fun for yourself because you're just crushing people, for example, you know, and you're just like going to school. Like, well, you could have done I, that I anywhere. Can see, <laughs> I can see somebody being like, okay, I'm decent at soccer. I'm never going to be a pro. Let me just shoot a video of me playing and send it to Division Two or whatever school in the States. I get a good degree. I get a scholarship. Yeah. And I get to study and party in the States. Yeah, I think that would be that would be possible. But like the perception that it would be easy then I think might be a little bit um too lenient. But I I totally can see that. Like let's say you're like on one of like the junior team of like Ajax, for example, and you decide to like I just want to go get a degree instead of like go pro, you probably get into some great schools, but like to like underestimate the level of sports is also like not correct here, I think. You know, they're still like pretty real athletes and like kids like do go pro you know it's not like nobody's trying i mean the wood for you the train has left the station you had never a talent in soccer yeah. or anything <laughs> so i think for you no need to answer is, the there, ask is there a chess is there a chess club division like <laughs> like that. Uh, actually now you say that there is uh chess scholarships uh not at right state obviously but like there are some schools that are like um, I think St. Louis has like a chess uh, club where they have like uh, international kids that just play for their school. So I don't know if they'll take a 30 year old. Though. I don't know. It depends, how good, <laughs> depends how good you are, I guess. Right. Cannot be that good. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question like outside of ath- athletics, you know, we're coming to the end of the episode, but you came to 
Ohio from Netherlands. Basically, you're a Dutch, right? You were a little kid when you were in Texas. How different was it? What was the most like shocking and different? Um, it was pretty different for sure. Um, also, I guess maybe like not being in a city like uh, Dayton, Ohio is pretty like spaced out, let's say. Like, obviously, the Americans nice drive way. everywhere. That's yeah, a nice way of putting it, I know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> um, and then uh, I was used to like biking to a lot of places, and public transportation is very normal there, whereas it was pretty limited here in Ohio. Like, I had to get a car basically without that, it would be pretty hard to survive. I mean, luckily, I live close to campus, so walking was not the issue. And with the benefit of having like other teammates that ha did have a car, I could always get a ride with them. So like it wasn't extremely necessary, but like to have some own independence, it, w it was definitely nice. Um, what else is so different? I don't know. I guess just the mentality. Oh, and also like at the time, the drinking age was 16 in the Netherlands and it was 21 in America, which is like a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. That was like, yeah. I guess, kind of frustrating. Could you not just use your other passport? I wanted to ask the same question. <laughs> to what? To show that I'm like... Yeah, you sure. I'm, no, I'm, I'm from the Netherlands. I can't drink. Oh, no, that's matter on the edge. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, stupid, stupid of me. No, of course, it doesn't matter where you're from. <laughs> I mean, you could try. Hey, give me that beer. I'm Dutch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I could try, but no. <laughs> I guess it would work if you're like almost 21. And then, you know how oh, like, yeah, the month and month the number. Day, yeah. Month and day are switched. So, like, you could pull that off maybe uh, for a couple months. It can, like, it can work against you, too. I saw that. It definitely can. But, like, I feel like if it works against you, you can be like, well, look, like, don't be stupid, you know, month and day. But then who knows what they say after that. <laughs> I definitely showed my Dutch ID at the bar in hopes they wouldn't understand it and just let me in, you know? Yeah. So like, How did that work? It, it has worked sometimes, but like it definitely did not work every time. Like I think sometimes the bouncers doesn't want to look stupid and ask you like, so where's your birthday, you know? And they just like let you go. But like sometimes like, <laughs> it doesn't work well Patrick do you have any other questions no I'm good very interesting very interesting yeah. episode today I do want to say that I think uh, playing sports was very beneficial even for like um, a career after college because it does teach you a lot about discipline and organization skills and I think at least in America, um, a lot of employers do like um, people that have played sports for some reason, which I think is because of the discipline aspect of it. And that you shows you can like multitask like two different things um, pretty seriously. So it always looks good on your resume. And uh, I don't know how it is in Europe, but I'm pretty sure even in the Netherlands, it looks good on your resume, uh, having done like sports in another country while getting a degree as well. Oh, yeah. I would sign that as well yes that is pretty impressive and kind of cool to mention whenever you meet people that you played sports for a school yeah i know it's a it's a nice little uh, nice little opener <laughs> <laughs> well thank you ricardo for being our guest today it's nice talking to you yeah thank you guys for having me
yeah, thank you very much and have a good day. Thanks, you too, guys.